Yeah. Okay, so we are. This is episode two of.、Uh, I guess tentatively, do you want to call it Yin and and Yang? <laughs> sure, tentatively. Let's let's stick with that for right now. Yeah. So and you're okay. I am cool. Recording. And then you're recording. I'm recording. Great. Um. So、uh, let me see. I mean, you're watching. So okay, we're recording this right now on election night. Um. Very, very depressing so far. The results. I hope by the time you hear this, maybe things won't be so depressing.、Uh, whoever you are, listener.、Um, but, I mean, do you, you want to talk about some of your feelings,、uh, Dan, as like as a father, as a as a voter? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts right before the election night on NPR and keeping the sixteen hundred, thinking that Clinton was going to win for sure. It was going to be. Not necessarily a landslide, but it was a sure thing. But I, I put my kids to sleep, woke up thinking that things were going to be just hunky dory or everything was going to be normal. However, everything is crashing right now. So Florida went to Trump, and it looks like Ohio is probably going to go to Trump. So things are not looking good for the the, the race for us. And it's strange because, like you know, Florida used to be like with I remember with Gore and Bush, like you know, oh, it's that's a close one. It's like it's always, but I guess this time around, Florida was just totally on board with Trump, and that's yeah. And Florida's a big,、uh, that's a big,、uh, big state.、Mm, uh, so I don't know. I don't know for this podcast, maybe. <sighs> Yeah, this might dominate. Com- the f- I don't know. I don't know if I wanted to dominate the whole conversation of this podcast, yeah, but I think I think it, it is something I do think it's important to address, especially as、um, you know, sons of immigrants that you and you and I are both are.、Um, I was just I was just telling. Yeah, so Dan, I was just to, for my list for the listeners. I was just telling Dan earlier that. You know, bef- I've made this Facebook post before, like、um, jokingly, that you know, because Tsai Ing-wen, she's a female, she's the first,、um, the female、uh, Taiwanese president of Taiwan, and I was joking on the Facebook post that, hey, you know, if Tsai Ing-wen is winning, this is before she won, and Trump wins, then I'm probably gonna go back to Taiwan, and I was joking, you know, but now if if Trump does win. I don't know. It just speaks to a certain rhetoric in America that's very, just it just really rubs me the wrong way. It just really bothers me, you know.、Um, it's a certain ideology of, that Trump represents that just I just cannot I just cannot stand by.、Um, yeah, Dan, what are you gonna say? Well,、uh, do you know any Trump voters? Do you know people who voted for Trump? I live in a. You know, I live. We live in California, so I live in Cal. I live in SoCal right now, and I go to most of my my sphere is like a tech. I go to a tech store to work, and I go to a call. I go to college for grad school, and those circles of of social circles are very liberal. So I'm so surprised by this, but I do recognize that I kind of live in a bubble myself. But I mean, is is that what you're trying to get at, or? Well, we live in a bubble for sure. I, I mean, all my friends, for for the most part, they voted for Hillary that I know of. But I was just talking to my my sister's boyfriend, and he told me who he voted for. He mailed in his ballot 
two weeks ago, and he voted for Trump. And I asked him what, what his deal was, and he basically repeated all the things that Trump has been saying, like Hillary's crooked, even though Trump is uh, is like a businessman, whatever, he or has no experience, he will change things up. And I, I just couldn't believe my ears, all the things that he was saying. And this is a college grad, and he's an immigrant. He's a Chinese immigrant. He's first-generation uh, Chinese-American. And I just couldn't believe it when I heard all this stuff coming out of his mouth. I kind of wanted to strangle him, but I also wrote him off at that point. I just couldn't reason with someone like that. It's um, it's very easy, I think. Um, and I, I know even with... The, I, okay, like, even with this podcast, like... People, we, we are speaking a certain philosophy, okay? We represent a certain philosophy um, being, you know, Asian Americans, uh, martial artists, or, you know, human beings, uh, artists, whatever, whatever um, y- you, you, you identify as, right? Um, and we, we have a certain philosophy, right? And I think Donald Trump, like, th- for some reason, people feel that he's, just because he's different or, you know, or he's, he's, he's changed, he's a change, he's a, like, you know, a change, he's going to change the philosophy or change the, the, the way, you know, uh, Washington works. I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. And I, I know that in a way we are doing the same thing. We are saying our own philosophies, right? And, but it's just that there's a philosophy based on rhetoric and there's a philosophy based on certain, you know, um, science and principles, right? And I don't know what what can what can Trump offer as far as hard evidence that he's a you know a, a good leader as far as like his plans for the economy and like the details, right? Because he says all this rhetoric and then you know what does it actually amount to? And I'm so I'm I'm getting a little bit depressed, yeah, by um, the results right now. Oh. Uh, there's no way to cut. I mean, there's, uh, I, I, I don't know what to even say, because this is this is seriously depressing. I I kind of want to move on to other things, but we don't know the results of the election yet. But it it looks pretty bad right now it, for for people who with rational thought. And I think <laughs> I think Comey coming out with that letter ten days ago pretty much cost us the election. Really oh, the do. email thing. Or, yeah, yeah, the email thing, and I don't know why it took him eight, eight days to like figure everything out that the emails had nothing that that nothing was incriminating. I don't know why it took eight days. Even Edward Snowden said that it would only take a few hours. Yeah, what's up with that? Yeah, and then all the you know majority you know there's a lot of mail in you know mail in ballots, so you no, know, that's you make a good analytical point. I mean. All right, yeah. God damn it. Um, um, There's so, no I mean, place to go. There's no place to go. I mean, we could go to Canada, but I, I don't know yeah. th- how likely that is. I mean, that's uprooting your family. For, well, for me, I'm going to have to uproot my family, but I don't think we're going to do that. Right. Can, you can I, do it. You're yeah. a single guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, 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 re- I, you know, I miss Taiwan. I wouldn't mind going back there, but I don't know. To live there long term... 
this is this is my thing, and, and this might change, but th- this is my thing for the past few years or something. Like one of the main reasons I moved back to the U.S. was, you know, the sense of pushing forward uh, Asian American representation in the media, or uh, the what the idea of what it means to be an Asian in America. And I think there's people who can do that in Asia, sure. But a lot of times what those Asian-Americans in Asia do is that they um, they, they kind of uh, they, they perpetuate a certain coolness about being like Asian-American and Taiwan, you know, t- you know, Taiwanese-American. Like uh, there's a certain, you know, exoticism about being Asian-American and living in Asia. It's like, oh, you're American and you're Asian. And I kind of rebel against that a little bit, even though I used it to my advantage a little bit when I was living there. To be honest, like I, I did use, I did leverage that sometimes. But um, being, I don't know. I just, I like, and this is my maybe my Asian self-loathing or something, or not self-loathing, but you know, um, need to be the underdog. You know, I just, I like being the underdog and pushing for. So like being Asian in America and pushing for representation. I mean, I just recently, and we talked about this in the last podcast, it's like, there just seems to be a lot more, you know, whitewashing has made the forefront recently. And I think being Asian in America, I think is becoming more and more relevant. That kind of, that crossroad, that that crossroad of identity and what that means. And I think it interests uh, Americans in general, like with successive shows like Fresh Off the Boat or uh, Master of None, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, what what are your thoughts about being, I guess, yeah, I don't know. So I guess to end my 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 thought would be is like, I, it'd be nice to move to Taiwan or move to an Asian country and try and make my break there. But I don't know. I just maybe maybe it's also honorable to stay and fight. You know. Yeah, I we, well, there's gonna be a huge difference in opinion, and I think. We, it's unlikely that a lot of us are going to be able to have that, the option to move to another country where we think it's a lot more sane. So there's nothing to do but to stay and fight and adapt to what the, what our new reality is going to be tomorrow when we wake up, if we even go to sleep tonight. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I think one thing is so like for Bruce Lee like he he went to Asia to make it big because of the racism that he faced in Hollywood right he he went to Asia made it big then came back so this is me coming from like an entertainment point of perspective I have friends that are doing that they're going to Asia try to make it big and then maybe come back and another person another Daniel what's his name Daniel Daniel Yen or Daniel Wu Daniel Wu also martial artist right yeah yeah, he's a martial artist from Berkeley, uh, California, and uh, he made it huge. He's a huge star in Hong Kong, China, and now he's coming back with Badlands. And, you know, I think that's an interesting model. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it, it's one route, you know. And there's other guys like Steven Yuen who are making it big in America using the, working through the system here. So it's, yeah, there's different models. And, like, the thing with Daniel Wu, though, is that he's got tons of movies under his belt. You know what I mean? And, like, yeah. 
and whereas Steven Yuen has a couple, you know, he has that one big show, The Walking Dead, and then maybe he has a couple indie films from here, but he's not working nearly as much as Daniel Wu. So in a craft sense, as we talked about martial arts, repetition and practice, um, in that sense, I would say Daniel Wu has gotten more practice than Steven, even though I think, you know, Steven is an excellent actor in many respects, you know, maybe better than Daniel, but uh, in some respects, but I don't know. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? Like there's different paths and I don't know. I'm just, I'm just questioning my existence in America right now. Well, I think no matter what happens, we just have to keep on doing what we're doing. We got to keep on hustling and keep on, keep our eye on. Yeah, we have to hustle. It's all about hustling. If you think about all the people who are pretty successful in life, they didn't just like sit back and get lucky for the most part. They all had to hustle. Most of the business people out there, they were hustling. They were selling. And I think we just have to keep on doing what we have to do and what we can. We just, it's like, you, you just can't worry about the things you have no control over. We did whatever we could to to affect the election by voting. And the rest is up to external forces other people who don't have the same opinions that we have of who the right candidate should be to run the office of the president right and you're right and like if we had things run our you know go our way all the time how are we different than you know a a tyrant right so i mean that's the election process is made so that you know the voters all have their say um but i don't know that they're, they're the electoral college the fact that you have to be like (laughs) <laughs> to live in Florida to actually make a difference. Like, you know, California is always going to go blue, right? I mean, for the most part. Yeah. It's like we're, and the way the electoral college is set up, it's just like, you know, it's, anyways, anyways, that's, I'll leave that to the pundits and like, I'm not a, to be honest, politics for the most part bores me. Like, politics on the, on general, I, I, I don't, I'm not the kind of guy who watches, you know, political shows and stuff, but just with this election uh leading up to the election and like reading up on the propositions and stuff like you know, I think it is important to have a political stance regardless of how you feel about politics. I think um I was talking to a friend the other um a while back and I'm you know, I'm writing a film and there's guns involved and and youngsters like high school age people and you know, I didn't want to make a you know, I don't want to make a clear statement about gun control, really. But he told me, like, hey, regardless, someone's going to get something from it. And you have to be aware of that. And I thought that was a very valid point, is that regardless of if you just want to make art, you know, or if you just want to be creative and not have a political bent or whatever, I think regardless, however you express yourself, there is some sort of stance or some sort of philosophy that you you stand by and it's going to come through, you you, does that make sense like you know what i'm saying daniel like yeah 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 so um i think now i'm as i'm getting older i think i'm more i'm more uh, tuned in as far as politics and i'm also i'm more aware that like you know i i i, I i'm very i'm not i'm not the most informed person but i do make an effort to like at least know 
you know what's happening in in my in, in my you know with my life my 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 where the area I'm living in my state my country um yeah but that's yeah <laughs> I maybe we should move on to something a little bit more interesting in a different way maybe we should talk about what you want to talk about last week that we didn't get a chance to talk about what was that the uh you, dating or yeah yeah your dating life <laughs> oh man okay segue um so actually i was i was texting um a, a, a lady uh just you know we're setting up a date for this weekend and um she, you know and uh so i guess I, I we're talking about like yeah she's luckily she has you know similar perspective as me is like um she's scared about tomorrow as well and i you know we texted and we're trying to set up a date to watch um you know a korean film this this weekend um it's been okay i think um dating like with her uh i've dated i've only dated like maybe like a few a few black black ladies but she's like this um black woman that's really into asian culture we'll see how it goes um but uh where i thought you, i was curious where did you meet her wait, wait wait where did you meet her i met her through a, a an app called coffee meets bagel started oh. by like these three korean sisters yeah so it's an online dating app um hopefully she doesn't hear this um i think yeah we'll just anyways um i think online dating is interesting like Okay, so here's my history of online dating. I, I started back in August 2015. I got really, I, I, I moved to LA. Um, I got, I started, my brother, he, I saw him on Match.com, you know, in connecting and getting on dates. I was like, oh, wow, cool. Like prior to that, I've been on a handful, like just, a, you know, barely like a few dates. Usually I just was in relationship, jumped to another relationship. So it wasn't until LA where I got seriously into dating, right? And um, it's with the LA, I, I got into, um, so Coffee Meets Bagel, Tinder, uh, Bumble a little bit, uh, okay, okay Cupid, and um, let me see, so Coffee Meets Bagel, a little bit of, uh, there's another one called Happen, where it's like you have to be in the area and you, you like each other. The most dates by far for me as an Asian American male in my 30s has been coffee meets bagel by far i've gotten so many more dates i've been on 30 plus 40 you know 40 plus dates from coffee meets bagel but as far as sexual action because that's important for (laughs) i've only got i i've only gotten uh maybe out of all those dates maybe two and one was like a half you like it was like more of like a a half hand like barely a hand job she just touched and said well that feels feels fake Anyways, anyways, um, <laughs> and the other one I just got to like oral. So now, am I looking just for sex? Some of the time, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes, yes. Um, and I think there's a certain shame that comes with it being a man. Um, uh, I don't know if it's being American or being Asian American. I don't know. There's, I think there's a stigma of like men 
who are out there pursuing sex. And for, you know, valid reasons, there's a lot of wolves out there, a lot of guys who are like, who try to manipulate women or try to like get them in the bed with all the wrong tactics. Um, and I think those kind of men I, I find despicable, right? They try to, you know, be aggressive or forceful. But there are men who are not aggressive or forceful, who are very much more passive. But guess what? They got needs too. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they they're they're interested in sex as well. And what happens with those guys is more of resentment. You know, they they feel resentful towards women for all the wrong reasons as well. Saying, "Oh, how come no girl likes me?" Well, it's because they're not they're not being assertive enough, and then they're not being vocal enough about what they want and satisfying their own needs. Um, two books that really helped me this past like this dating um, during this dating journey has been um, "No More Mr. Nice Guy." No more Mr. Nice Guy. But I believe its name's Robert Glover, and the second book called um, uh, "Models" by Mark Manson. And these were two; these were these were two books recommended to me by a filmmaker friend who's also a very nice guy. Um, and let me just, uh, yeah, let me define nice guy. Nice guy being a nice guy who's not assertive, a nice guy who, you know, lets people walk over him. A nice guy being someone who um, is not. Uh, who makes covert contracts where they're, they're being nice for the wrong reasons, like, oh, they want to get quid pro quo, right? Now, I think Mark Manson, he further he furthers that definition into a more concrete example of someone who's needy. And I think that's a better better way to... Because I, I think I'm a nice guy. I think you're a nice guy. But I think, I think the difference is that there's a certain neediness. And I think needy guys are what we have to watch out for or what women have to watch out for and what we have to watch out in ourselves, like not to be too needy. Um, so, uh, so what's the question? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, the original question was like, how did you meet this girl? And you, you talked about all the diff different dating apps you went through. I actually talked to, I have two other friends. They're, they're both Hispanic and they have a different perspective as far as, well, I don't know how detailed um, we've gotten into their discussions about their social life, but it sounds as if things just happen naturally, progressively into going uh, and into sexual relations. It wasn't like they're like aggressively pursuing. I I know both of them pretty well. They're they're both pretty nice guys, um, but it's just like a different perspective. It just it seems like a lot of their dates just happen to go that way. I think. Um that's cool and I, i'm glad for them and i think there are men where it just comes naturally and i you know it's it could be it could be racial maybe i i, I don't want i don't want to make huge generalizations but um from just from the friends that i know that are asian american males a lot of them are like sexually repressed guys and i uh, i think part of that is you know the emasculation of Asian men in the media. I mean, and that, that I don't want to talk too much about that because that's been talked about a lot. If you take any Asian American studies class, it talk about a lot. And I'm, you know, I'm getting a little bit tired of that, you know, that dialogue because it's kind of like, you you know, you know, be the change, right? That's what, the, what Gandhi said, be the change. So, but it's hard, right? Because you're fighting against those images in the media and also you're fighting against, you know, how certain women are perceiving you and to be honest i think this girl who's who i'm dating this weekend 
has a certain is a fetishization of Asian men, you know, and I'm playing into that. Um, and that's my choice, you know, and that's we're both adults. We're, you know, and she's nice. I'm nice. Um, uh, but I think for the for your friends, that's great. That's awesome. I wish though they're, they're called, you know, in the game by uh, Neil Strauss, they call them naturals, I guess, people who are just naturally good at it. But there's like, there's some really awkward guys out there, you know, and and they have to read books on how to like, it's just that we're so, I think a lot of guys, especially Asian American men, are so afraid of their own sexuality, of their own, like, they're afraid of uh, being dominant in certain, you know, situations or being... Um, overly aggressive in certain situations so they over um the eye there's two there's two ways about there's people who over compensate you know and try to be overly aggressive and there's people who just shut down and and hope things just happen to them you know but i mean for your friends like they it's just natural for them huh and they have plenty of partners i'm guessing huh yeah yeah (laughs) They're they're both uh, they're both pretty successful. One does it uh, through through uh, through online dating apps. The other person does it more through uh, just meeting the person, just seeing them and meeting them in person and and getting their numbers and, and going from there. It's like the more the old fashioned way. That's that is game like that. I'm working on that right now. Um, I'm getting better at it. Um, approaching women in public because I think and this is like real talk like that's probably one of the best thrills like I get now like okay if I meet some I've been on tons of dates online right so chatting up a girl online and meeting in person like able to make that date that used to be like a big thrill for me right now the next step would be like oh how can I move this into either physical or more you know a deeper relationship right um and I, this is when I started making mistakes is I, I started getting needy about it, you know, and that's what I talked about in those, those two books to try to help me, help me get out of that kind of mindset is like, I needed her physical validation. Like, you know, I needed her to have sex with me to make me feel like I'm a man, right? That's a trap, you know, cause you can be a man without sex. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you don't have, you can validate your manliness without having a woman validate it through your own, you know? Because it's very counterintuitive. It's kind of like Tai Chi, right? Like where you try too hard, by trying too hard, you will fail, you know? By by trying to get at, you know, by sh- showing how much you want it, it's a huge, it's a huge turnoff for women, and, and, and rightfully so, you know? Um, and uh, I guess, what was my point? Uh, for the, what was I going to say? So your yeah, so your friend the I think the biggest thrill for me now is kind of like breaking down that shyness of approaching women of and I think the online thing has been fun, but I really want to get to that point where if I see someone attractive, I just want to go up to them and say, "Hey, hi, I just want to say hi. I mean, I, I you know, I found you attractive, you know, and I just want to get to know you." Something like that, you know? That that comes from like yeah, Mark Manson's book. But I have to do it in a way that's truthful to me, you know? I can't just copy a book. I have to figure out a way to approach that's, you know, truthful to me. I mean, have, for you, like, when you were in the game or, or dating, did you just approach strange women or was it friends of friends or how'd you do it? I tried both ways. I mean, I, I didn't get out that much. Um, 
I when I was in my twenties, I was living in Silicon Valley where the ratio was pretty bad. It was like ten to one, ten males, single males for every one single female. So everything was skewed, and I think everyone knew it. All the girls knew it. Uh, girls you wouldn't think were like tens. Um, I don't know. They just all had. They it, it was a buyer's market for them, and so they, they could just pick and choose all they wanted. And I, I think towards the end of my time there, I just made a decision. I'm just gonna start asking random girls, like anybody I see on the street, just start talking to them. And I was not very successful doing that. So hmm. take it for what you will. No, I mean I, I think it comes down to intention and also demographic, right? Um, and I think as far as coming off with intention is that, yeah, I think before my intention was dang, you're hot, I want to sleep with you, you know? And that's, and sorry, ladies, but guess what? A lot of men think that way. Um, And I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just that it's a certain, (laughs) if you're that hot, there's, you know, men are going to think that way. Um, But that kind of intention, you know, coming off too strong is a form of neediness, right? It's like a form of like, oh, you're so hot. I want you to validate me physically. Um, I think now is I'm trying to work on myself and say, hey, I want to talk to a girl I I find interesting and say with the intent that I want to get to know them and see if they're worth if they're worth my time, if they're worth my dick, you know, like that that kind of thinking, because that shows, you know, status that shows self-respect, self-worth, you know, it's like, hey, I see all these hot women. I want to talk to them to figure out what they're about and see if they're worth my time. That's something I'm trying to change in myself. And at the same time, I'm working on my own stuff. I think a lot of those people who there? get very... Oh, yeah, you can cut you hear off me? For sec- yeah, you cut off for just a second. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, I think uh, what's important um, for this dating thing is that... I don't know. Fuck. I'm, I'm terrible. At, I, I'm, to be honest, I'm like... I get lots of dates, but I get no traction. And I think that's something, there's something wrong with my personality. <laughs> there's, I think there's something that I'm working on. I'm, I'm getting closer. It's something about being independent, but wanting to have someone to share it with. You know, and I know, I know what I need to be, like how I need to be better. Um, like the more successful you are in whatever you do, the more attractive you are, right? Like all those attract, you know, all those successful guys get, you know, attractive women who are successful in their own right because they work on themselves. And I think um, I'm still trying to get out of that that rut, you know, um, of of trying to get validation from women. Yeah. yeah, you just yeah, I I wouldn't. That's a like, I think that happens with a lot of people who come off as needy is like they they think that they can get happiness if they get you know if they date a certain person or whatever so it's not it's not true i i i understand loneliness like i think recently i've been i've been kind of contemplating um loneliness because um you know I'm, i'm kind of new to the area but not so new that i should have like a you know good circle of friends here in the la area right but i i don't i find myself not really having a close group of friends yet i have a few friends here but not too many and i wonder about that is is there something wrong with me you know um and how come i don't have a girlfriend yet 
But the more I go down that train of thought, I think it's even more destructive. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that kind of train of thought will, will make you even less attractive to get friends, you know? Um, I, I would notice it sometimes where I'm like, oh, hey, what are you guys doing? Like, I'll kind of interject myself into, like, this group of people talking in the classroom, like, hey. And then they can sense that I'm trying to, like, be a little too friendly, you know? So it's it's weird. Um, I think... And I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm I think I'm more mature now in the sense that uh, you know what it is is just I need to work on the things I need to work on um, as my projects um, my stuff but on the same token people get lonely people want to get someone to talk to right or people want to have that close friend and um, it sucks like my really close friends like they don't live no they don't live in this area right. Um, but I text them, I reach out to them and that helps, you know, like I'll say, Hey, what are you guys up? What are you up to? How's your trip? You know, one of my close friends, he's in, he's in, he went to Japan. Now he's in Taiwan now. And, uh, he's the guy that recommended me those two books. And, uh, he, he mentioned the same things that sort of lonely and his is more extreme that loneliness in a foreign country. Right. I think if you can be fine being alone, I think you're good. Like, if you're you're okay being alone, I think you're okay being with people. Like, if you're happy, if you're happy being on your own and doing stuff, that makes you even more valuable as a contributor when you're with people. It's counterintuitive, but does that kind of make sense? Like, or do you disagree with that? Or <laughs> no, I I totally agree. I mean, if you can be comfortable being by yourself, doing things by yourself, whether it's eating. Or watching movies. I think those are the two big things that people don't do by themselves, like watch movies and eat, uh, which is really odd because if you think about it, the only time that there's dead time is right before a movie starts. And once a movie starts, you're not going to talk. No one's going to talk to each other unless you're going to be rude. And when you're eating is like when you're ordering and waiting for the food. Is Those are the only times you're going to really have time for conversation because as you're eating, I don't know about other people, but I just kind of like to eat, especially if I'm hungry. Yeah, especially so, if it's good food, right? Yeah. Yeah, good food, and you're hungry, so it's if you can do those things by yourself, then you're gonna be fine. And I once, think, yeah. Go ahead. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say yeah. I think part of that society like stigmatizing that oh you're eating alone or oh you're watching a movie by yourself you're a loser. I think part of that I, I would sometimes hear that voice in my head you know whenever I'm watching a movie by myself or eating alone um, yeah I think part of it is like how we've been brainwashed maybe do you remember the first time you watched a movie by yourself I, I used to watch movies by myself at home like on TVs but like are you talking about like going to a theater and watching a movie in a theater by myself or yeah yeah I I, uh, I don't I'm trying to remember the first time um, it it might have been like an art film, like an art house film in Berkeley, maybe at the Pacific, the Pacific uh, Arts Theater, you know, uh, Pacific Film Archives. I mean, yeah, it might be one of those, maybe like a Ho Shao Shen film or something, or one of those. Yeah. How about you? Do you remember? You have a specific movie? I don't remember the actual um, the movie itself, but I remember it was definitely an undergrad. And it felt weird the first time I bought a ticket and sat by myself in the theater by myself. And it just felt really odd. But after I did it, it felt really natural. 
because I just wanted to enjoy the movie. And from then on, I, 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 I did it all the time. So, uh, I think you're right. I think if you if you can be alone watching a movie, eating, uh, I think that's the first. I mean, that's the first step of you know independence, and also I think a first step of being comfortable in your own skin, right? Um, I I, I heard somewhere I think there was like a celebrity. I, I believe it maybe it was Lindsay Lohan, one one of those celebrities, and there was an article saying that quoted her saying that she's very uncomfortable being alone right and i thought that was very interesting is that maybe there's people who are so uncomfortable being by themselves that they you know maybe seek out self-destructive behavior or toxic relationships just for the sake of relationships right um i know in high school that i had uh you know a few relationships that were taxing on me you know as far as you know calling them friendships but a lot of the times it felt like more like i was being emotional support you know like i would be i was being like a therapist and sometimes and but i was so afraid of being alone or from not having companionship that that instead of spending time you know focusing on myself i would go over and like waste time with you know someone that was just in a sense emotionally using me you know I mean, have you ever had friendships or or relationships like that? Uh no. I I've I've been pretty good about like just getting out of things, and I'm I'm actually notorious for getting out of things as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty bad about that. My friends, uh, people have called me out. They say that they just notice I just get up and leave in, in mid conversation with if there's like a group of people. And I'm just not feeling it, or I'm not uh, feeling comfortable with somebody. I'll just, if I can find a way, I'll just get up and go. That's so. Uh, that reminds me of this uh, story of this like. Uh, there's a ta- There's this uh, old Chinese story, a Tai Chi story about a master. They 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 asked this Tai Chi master to calm this horse that was kicking kicking people that were walking down the street. He's like, can you find a solution to like. You know, we, we're trying to get to the other side, but there's this horse. You know, we're trying to get to the other side of town, but there's this horse kicking people. Can you calm this horse down? Or you know, and what he did was, uh, he went down another street. You know, <laughs> like instead of like trying to fight that horse, he's just like, well, if you're, if your goal is trying to get to the other side of town, just you know, he just took a different street. You know, I thought that was interesting uh, story. You know, maybe <laughs> maybe not the maybe not the perfect analogy to what you just said, but you know, remind me of that. Yeah, it's just one of those things. I, I just I I don't want to feel feel trapped. So I'm if if something's not going the way I expected, I'll look for an exit. That's good. I um I'm gonna learn that. I'm gonna learn that technique from you. Uh, you know, another another martial arts technique. Yeah, there's no reason like to fight it. You know, if you, you always, you never want to go force against force. And sometimes, you know, life is so short. What as you get older and older, life, life, our time goes by so quickly that there's no reason to just hang out with people you don't like. That's true. Um, I, you know, my father, um, he was sick this past summer, and. Uh, he it got it got pretty uh, dire um, at one point, um, and then afterwards, when he it, we, they would they did some you know medical procedures and 
he's able to pull through and he was able to talk and stuff uh, he had trouble breathing right um um and uh after afterwards he he pulled out of it and but he was telling me some stuff you know bef you know after he felt better and could talk better was like and that was one of his uh one of his lessons to me is like james don't try to you know don't try to look for a fight or for an argument just it's not worth your time you know and that's coming from a guy my 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 father in many ways is very combat combative uh in a lot of play times i've seen growing up i've seen him you know fight for like certain things like um small you know small things like you know uh like you know maybe you know arguments with you know people or whatever over you know what some people might think are trivial or you know like a tennis court or things like that right and you know in a way i respected that because he didn't he didn't take things as if you know if you if you step into my territory if you disrespect me i'm not gonna let that happen right but it's interesting that his his philosophy has gone you know you know more before it used to be more young right and then it became more in like it was softer it was more he's at in his older age he's he's much more calmer i remember my my i have an older you know my older brother and older sister they would tell me stories like how my dad would like you know be much more strict with them and then with me and as he got older he's a lot you know softer so i don't know if that's good or bad but you know in some ways i they, they they called me spoiled and what and in some ways maybe i was com compared to them right but I wonder if there there's some truth to that. Is that maybe it's it's not so good to always look for a fight or like, I think it's important to fight for what you believe in. But at the same token, it's choosing your battles, right? Like, what are you gonna spend your time on fighting? You know. Right. It's an important. It's one of the lessons I want to teach my kids. It's not so much like to like roll over like most Asians that stereotype of Asians where we're really passive I want them to get that sense of entitlement that confidence that to know that they deserve whatever they get but at the same time I want them to know what is worth fighting for and what is just letting go so not sweating the small stuff yeah and it's kind of hard it's it, each person has to find you know where that dividing line is for them right because like okay let's say someone cuts you in line you know you're you're waiting in line for like fried fish at at ranch 99 or something right and like someone cuts you in line this happened to to my dad and you know my dad didn't fight it you know he my dad's like hey you know you're supposed to, he did say like hey you know i'm supposed to get back in line he's like what you want to you know you want to he's my, my that guy said something to my dad about like something you know maybe like physically threatening and my dad's like no it's not worth it he's like okay whatever and just let it go when i heard that i was like punch that fucker in the face you know what i'm saying like <laughs> if he threatens you like you know you know hit the shins and then follow up with like an uppercut or something right yeah um and my dad's like no it's not worth it and i Okay, there's a happy medium. There's a happy medium, I think. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I have to be in that situation. But, man, the guy cuts in line. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's choosing your battles. And I think I'm still I'm still working on it, as you can tell. Like, even in that situation, I'm, I still can go either way. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, I I think I would probably be the same way. I would just I I don't like unfair things. So I I would probably be the same in the same boat as you are. If someone cuts in line, then then I would actually say something or do something. And especially actually it doesn't even matter the race. I was thinking, "Oh, would I would I be more combative if it was a a Chinese mainlander because I'm I want them to know that that's not the way we do it in the U.S. But it happens in the U.S. with like non-Chinese Asian Chinese immigrants. Um, that's a whole different topic that we can discuss about etiquettes and, and courtesy from the mainlanders these days. But I remember back in 2012, I went to Disneyland, and some guy cut in line, and my wife didn't want to say uh, when she. She went up to some cast member and said, hey, this guy cut in line. And the guy got really upset. And I could see that we were going to throw down. And he started making a move, walking towards us. But you know, he got thrown out. And I got really upset. I was ready to throw down with this guy for something, for just something so minor as cutting in front of, cutting in front of us in line. And it wasn't right. even in front of us directly. It was actually in front of the group in front of us. The group in front of us was a bunch of Asian kids were college students or high school students and they were there you know having a good time but they weren't going to say anything and the guy knew it and my wife wasn't going to take it so she actually told somebody and they they threw the guy out after they saw him him letting in two other people into the line but they weren't really going to do anything yeah they weren't going to do anything about it they go hey did you cut in line the guy was like no but he knew that we like snitched and he he was just getting really pissed off. But once he got actually thrown out, he was he was gonna come towards us. He was like a big guy too. He was like six three. And I thought, oh, this is gonna be interesting. It's gonna be. You can take f- him. You can take him. Yeah, I wasn't really worried, but it was like, oh yeah, it'll be interesting in Disneyland of all places that we're gonna have this this rumble. Oh, <laughs> uh, I I would have liked to see that fight. Regardless, I want to see that fight. Make it happen. <laughs> I don't even know where I could find this guy. Uh, it's yeah, case by case, right? In that situation, there's some oversight, I guess. There's the uh, there's the the other cast members, so there's witnesses. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, principles, principles. Yeah. Um, but going back principles to principles are yeah yeah go going ahead. back to your original topic of like, have I ever? stuck in like a friendship or relationship or or some situation because of because i wanted the companionship i don't think that has happened i mean have you been in a relationship where you're like oh i i just want to be alone so i'm just going to be with this person who i really don't want to be with if i had a choice maybe uh on the spectrum of like that being one extreme and and you know full committed love on the other extreme um i i yeah i was somewhere in that spectrum where i was leaning towards this is probably not the best relationship for me and i was just comfortable i've been there um and i thought oh if the sex is good maybe it's worth sticking around you know that that kind of like really um lack of self-worth kind of thinking you know a little bit of self-loathing um and um no, I think as you get older and you you know more of what you want and you know how more precious time is, you know, you're right. I don't have time to waste on those kinds of relationships where it's like it's kind of good and I'm going to stay because it's just kind of good. Um, 
and there's the flip side of that, and that's something is that nothing's perfect, right? Um, but this is uh, this is something I think we talked about before. One of my other good friends, he mentioned, you know, what what are you worth? What's worth working for? Like, this guy's really into like you know building things, so he likes you know Legos, right? And but he hates going to the dentist, like getting his teeth pulled, stuff like that. And he says, you know, what am I willing to do to make this work, this relationship work? Am I willing to, you know, spend hella time? Is like, like, and it, to him, it feels like building Legos, and like it's it's wor- it's enjoyable. Then yeah, he's gonna make that effort. But if he feels like putting in work to this relationship is like more like pulling teeth or more like, you know, getting your teeth scraped and stuff like that, it's not it's not worth it. You know, even though those things are important. I mean, it's not the perfect analogy, but basically is he willing to put work into something that's enjoyable versus putting work into something that's not as enjoyable it feels more like an obligation and i thought that's a very clear and interesting distinction you know because of some of my relationships before i was sometimes i felt i was throwing in time and effort into the relationship for the sake of like trying to make it work and using that as a form of accomplishment you know and I was. I remember in one of my last relationships, it was a long-distance relationship. I was like, oh, if I can make this relationship work, that would be one of my greatest accomplishments, you know? And now looking, I remember at the time thinking, wow, James, you're such a, you're such a great, uh, you're such a uh, stand-up guy, you know? And now I look back at that goal, and it's so faulty. Logically, it's such a faulty kind of accomplishment because what if that relationship was not supposed to work, you know? Or what if I was forcing something that was just not right, you know? You know, that's a Green Day quote. But, yeah. Um, I mean, you, you know where I'm coming from? Like, as far as, like, uh, I guess, what was I trying to say? Like, I don't know. Yeah, per- perfection versus, like, settling. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I mean, like, with my previous girlfriend, I was like, oh... I think sometimes I think, oh, if if she would have just like been a little bit more relaxed, then we could have stayed together a lot longer. But it it's kind of like stupid because you think about these things in hindsight, and you only remember like the good parts, and you forget about the bad parts. At least for, for me. But the one good thing that happened was like a few years after we broke up, she we started emailing just once a week. And then I I wrote something to her and she got she flipped the f out she flipped the fuck out and I was like this is the reason why we broke up oh, something small shit. could blow up oh my god this and it just solidified in my mind I was like oh yeah I made the right decision because if I would have stayed in I would have been stressed out or worried about what I was doing would just piss her off so I got out I got out at the right time. Um, and just like you, I had a long-distance relationship with her for a few months. And having a long-distance relationship kind of masks a lot of things because absence does make the heart grow fonder. But once we started living in the same city again, it just everything just came up. You know, all the things that were wrong just came out. It, it, you know, the distance was no longer a factor, and, and we saw each other a lot more. And I just like... I. I I had to make that decision. I just had to cut it off because otherwise I'd go nuts. So true. So true. Like, uh, I was in a long distance relationship for like, um, 
a few years. So, hold on, this is like air conditioning. Now, let me turn this off. Um, let's see. Um, yeah, I was I was in a long distance relationship for like a few years, for, um, and part of it was long distance, part of it was not. Um, what was what was helpful for me was I met like we broke up over Skype, okay? So that was not helpful. Um, but what was helpful for me a few years later, I was in um, uh, I was back in her country and uh, Taiwan, yeah, <laughs> and I I met up with her, right? And that was good. It was having we had closure, right? Um, but then like that was like. I th I thought we had a good like you know, and then you know I said I was I was in Taiwan another extra day right, and uh, I said you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna meet up meet up with her again, so I, I we did that one more time, and yeah we it just we started arguing well it wasn't even like a big argument it's more like trivial arguments of like hey where are we gonna head where are we gonna go now like oh, should we go over there to buy stuff you know. And I could tell just from that interaction that yeah, I made the right choice. You know, <laughs> like just like we couldn't even decide on some simple ass shit, like where to walk to, you know, and um, you know, passive aggressiveness on m both of our sides towards each other. Um, so I dodged a bullet. Like I was, I was, I almost married that girl. So. Uh, and I think uh, I dodged a bullet in that sense because it was gonna be a it was gonna be an unhappy it was gonna be unhappy marriage for sure yeah yeah I think um, yeah that compatibility thing I'm still I'm still thinking about it um, ever since that relationship I don't know I have this worry I, and tell me if I'm being maybe too paranoid but I have this worry that maybe. Uh, I don't know something broke in the sense that I don't know if I'm looking for anything too serious right now Maybe I'm looking for something much more Like it'd have to be like really high caliber for me to really want to seek a relationship right now You, you know what I'm saying like because I was in that relationship for like five plus years and like it was not it I felt like I missed out on a lot. So I think I'm trying to catch up, you know with all the dating but in a sense there's a certain emptiness I'm feeling now that's kind of gnawing at me through the dating as well. So I don't know. I I think it's it's a process that I'm going through, and I know I'm gonna come out the other side. It's just that while you're in it, it's a little bit like, you know, when is it gonna? When are you gonna feel better? I I don't know. It, it's I don't think everything's are ever gonna be perfect as far as being comfortable in your own skin or being comfortable with another person. It's never gonna be perfect, but as I'm not, I, I, I do wonder if like, damn, maybe I wonder if something's broken in me, like in the sense that uh, I could love again, I guess, you know, I, I know I can. It's just like, I'm not, I'm not in the mood for it right now. <laughs> it's okay. You're still fairly young. You're what, 32? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you, you have plenty of time. And it's, it's it, yeah. Don't worry about it. I wouldn't sweat. I'm, you should. You should date um, casually, as much as you as much as you can, because that will actually help you determine what it is you're looking for, or what's missing. And when you when you meet someone, I'm sure you'll figure out. Oh yeah, this is exactly what I was looking for. 
or you're like, ah, you know, there's something still not quite right. Yeah. You're fine tuning. Yeah, I'm self yeah self correcting. I guess yeah. Um, Cause let's let's see, you married. How old were you when you married? Uh, let's see. I was thirty eight. Okay. Yeah. I mean, did you feel? And this is this is a common feeling I think among thirty year olds is that. I mean, did you feel like a ticking clock, like, or it was more like you found the right person and why not? Or was there, I mean, was there a sense of urgency, I guess? Because I think a lot of 30-year-olds have a sense of urgency. I mean, for better or for worse, it, when you're in your 30s, like when you're in your 20s, there's less of a ticking clock. But I think when you're in your 30s, it's kind of like, uh, so am I going to be alone for the rest of my life? Or should I marry? I don't know. Like, did you have a sense of urgency or no? I didn't have a sense of urgency. I, I, I don't think. I had, after we got married, I had more of a sense of urgency about having kids because uh, I was getting up there in age. And I know that it, it takes a lot of effort and energy to, to raise a kid, uh, just one kid, and you know, have multiple kids. It would take even more energy. And I know that my body was break, started to break down from all the years of like martial arts and whatnot that I put it through. So that was more of an urgency than, than to get married. But I was also comfortable not getting married and not having kids um that that wasn't like a a huge thing for me i was i got to a point where i was actually comfortable with the idea of like oh you know being single is not that bad of not that big of an issue um i could totally do it i could watch movies on my own i could watch go out to eat on my own like we were talking about i was actually very comfortable doing my own thing you know working out not adhering to anybody's schedule not worrying about anybody else uh, and just doing what I wanted which is like one of the, the benefits of, of being single people talk about it bef- before or all all my married friends who were telling me like oh you, you should enjoy the time when you're single but it's very hard to, to do those things when you, you kind of wonder sometimes but then I got I got kind of accustomed to the idea of like yeah I really can do whatever I want I could go fly to to another country and visit for like a couple weeks and not worry about oh my mortgage or if uh supporting a family having a roof over my head all that stuff if if i lost my job i was like i'll just go couch surf i'll, I'll go live somewhere with family whatever it didn't matter to me because there was like really it didn't really matter but yeah i, I don't know if you're at that point you're you're still young you're still early 30s and i I think early 30s into my mid 30s, things, it was still like a growing period. I, I don't think I, I felt really comfortable until like I got, I turned 36, 37. And that's when I met my wife. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think people move at different, different rhythms, you know, like people have their own time scale. Um, and it, it's at the same time, like, I think we have to take things at our own pace, right? At some, I think some people maybe rush into things or marriage sooner than they need to be maybe, and maybe, or they put it off longer than it needs to be. It's kind of like finding that right, the right timing, you know? I, and I think no one really knows unless, you know, I guess you have to listen to yourself. I mean, it sounds like it was good timing for you though. Like you, you the, the time that you felt more comfortable with yourself is the time that you actually settled with another person, I guess, so. That's yeah. that's great, man. Yeah. I think um, 
for me, uh, yeah, I'm still in that period of trying to be comfortable with myself. There's that, there's that feeling of terror, you know? Um, and that feeling of terror is kind of like, um, I might die tomorrow, you know? Or that, that feeling that my life has not amounted to anything, uh, you know? That kind of, um, that feeling of worthlessness and stuff like that. I mean, I don't get it that much, but it's not worthlessness. It's more like that feeling of, of, of the void. Cause yeah, there's, I think as you get older, I, this might have happened to you, but, or what happened for me, like this year has been kind of crazy. Like, um, a friend of mine passed away. Um, and, uh, let's see last was it two years ago my grandma passed and then this year my my dad got really sick so that feeling of mortality has been kind of uh is weighing on me that's kind of like you know you might have seen my posts on instagram i've been posting more stuff you know i think part of that is trying to create stuff you know while i'm alive um because and you know maybe for some people finding value in life I think yeah I think relationships is re really make what you know really make life valuable um, and but there's also that fear of like oh if you're not in a relationship then you're you don't have value in your life that's also that's also faulty thinking too um, I think at the end of the day it's like how do you want to find value for your life in your own terms right um, but yeah anyways yeah I'm just thinking, I mean, do you ever have thoughts of mortality or not? You don't really, you're too busy to think about that kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, there are, there's always that, that idea, but I'm not too worried about um, uh, my legacy or, or accomplishments. I do want to do something in the sense of like, it's not so much like, oh, I missed out or I want to make sure that I leave a lasting impression on, on on my environment or the people i'm more looking for something to i am i guess i'm looking to accomplish something in a sense like i want to be part of something that's like uh i it's kind of hard to describe i want to build be part of something that's creative and building towards something because i mean i i worked at a bank and all i did was fix problems and just it was kind of like the status quo and, and it was just a kind of a depressing environment, and I just want to be in an environment where, where, we, I or we work as a I work as a team as part of a team to build something to make it even better, something transcendent. That I think is, is something I'm yearning for more than anything else, or just to create something out of nothing. I think is what I want to do these days, and not just like push numbers around pushing numbers just there's like no there's nothing inspiring about it daniel you i think you are an artist at heart just and that's i think that's why we connected i think definitely and that's i think this is what this podcast is right it's kind of like us creating something out i mean these things have lived in our heads for a while right but i think manifesting it you know in audio form i mean yeah it's something therapeutic about it i think um or that's something, you know, and if only we, if we get like, you know, 
five listeners, you know, and that's that's still something, right? You know, like maybe we'll touch one person's life, or um, uh, that's that that feeling of transcendence. That that what you're talking about. I fucking I live for that shit, you know. Like I live yeah. for that stuff. Like you know, like the first time I watched uh, Evangelion or something, I was like, holy crap, my mind just got fucked, you know, like in a good way, like. And um, I just remember that, or watching uh, like, uh, 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 yeah, uh, was it EE, like by Edward Yang film? I was like, damn, this is some deep ass shit. Like, and I didn't understand it fully at the time. And like some of these movies or art forms that I watched later on, I'm like, I'm just like, damn, okay, yeah, there's a reason why I can look at it more analytically and say, like, damn, there's there's a reason why I connected that stuff. But yeah, um, I think maybe. We should wrap it up, yeah. Yeah, we should definitely wrap it up, and okay. we we can discuss other things uh, next time we discuss our talk. We will have a new president, and it will. This is true, yeah. And it's not going to look good. I, you know what I want to know? I want to know when the wall is going to get built. <laughs> oh my wanna... god! Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the wall is going to be built. If it's going to be built at all, that will be his first thing that he's going to break. There's no way he's going to get Mexico to build a wall. Like okay, first of all, if 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 you all know Chinese history, like the wall, Great Wall, great beautiful work of art, thousands of people died building it. Guess what? Not successful. Did not stop. Did not stop the Mongols from invading. Now I'm not saying the Mexicans are Mongols. I'm just saying like the 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 fact of having a wall, not only not only is it antagonizing, it's also ineffective. You know, it's just really. It's oh my god! Just I'm just waiting for I'm just waiting for it to happen because he said he's gonna build one and he's gonna have the Mexicans build or pay for it. I don't think that's gonna happen, and I don't know what he's how he's gonna spin it. But people are gonna say, oh yeah, yeah, he's it's he's not gonna do it this term. He's probably gonna do it in, when he's reelected. So oh god. Okay, hopefully by next podcast. We're gonna things will be less depressing or more depressing, whatever. Whatever happens, happens, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. On that note, uh, this is uh, Young, and then and this, is, uh, this is Yin, <laughs> and we so are Yin and Yang. Yep, Yin and Yang. Yin and Yang signing out. Yeah. Bye. Bye.